We've all heard the old saying, it takes two to tango, which is why I prefer a medium salsa. You are about to enter a world that blurs the line between fact and fiction, where truth is clouded by imagination. Five stories, some are real, some are fake. Join us as we play along with a television cult classic and go beyond, beyond belief. Hello and welcome to Beyond Beyond Belief, episode number 44. I'm Jesse Chapman. With me as always, Chris Newth. Hey guys. Tiffany Persifka. Hey there. And Mark Wahlberg. Hello. Today we're reviewing season four, episode 12 of Beyond Belief Factor Fiction, which was a 1990s TV show hosted by Jonathan Frakes that featured five stories that defied explanation. Some stories are based on real events, others totally fake. In our show, we'll summarize those stories, make our own predictions as to which are fact and which are fiction, and at the end, we'll find out the truth together. You don't even have to know what Beyond Belief is. If you like strange stories, you'll like our show. And today we have a very special guest on our show, Sam Levine. Sam, welcome to Beyond Beyond Belief. Thank you so much. It's it's so nice to be here. Oh my God, we love to have you. You have arrived. You know, something that I uh, have to just point out is your Twitter bio. I'd love to read this. It says... I'm the guy from that thing you can't remember when you meet me. That is correct. <laughs> and you guys know Sam is an actor. He's from Freaks and Geeks and Glorious Bastards and Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later, which is on Netflix That's now. a great show. Yes, thank mm-hmm. you. My, I appear on camera in that, but my voice appears in uh, First Day of Camp and the feature film. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I, did I, I don't know if I knew that. In the feature film, where is this? Uh, oh, I'm on the, the voice of Artie. Yes, the camp of course. DJ and, uh, it just occurred to me as you were saying that. I was like, that makes so much sense right there because I, why is that? Uh, because the young actor who they got to play Artie in the film was a, a talented kid and had great faces, but he just didn't have the right voice when they were cutting the movie together. And so David Wayne, who I had auditioned for, I auditioned for that role. Love it. Uh, uh, but obviously he didn't cast me, but then when they were in post said, hey, can I fly you to New York and just have you dub all this kid's lines? I love that. So <laughs> – I am an editor and I've always like, I can hear when like the mic quality is different. Oh, sure. And I always wondered, like, I was like, I feel like there's something going on there, but I never really paid it too much attention. But now I've got my headphones on mm-hmm. and I'm being transported back right now. It's, a, it's an <laughs> it emotional It feels like we're moment. in Wet Hot American Summer right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm at camp mm-hmm. currently. Um, so Sam, awesome. I want to ask you before we get started. Please. What is, do you, have you seen Beyond Belief before, the TV show? I had seen Beyond Belief before. Give me oh, your sure. history of the show. What did you know about I, it? What do you remember? I vaguely remembered it being on when I was younger. And then when I was a little older in my teens, I definitely watched a handful of episodes on reruns on the Sci-Fi Channel. And then there was one episode that I sought out oh, many, many, 18, 19 years ago, because a guy, a neighbor of mine, uh, in a building I just moved into, uh, we were talking about, oh, you're an actor? Oh, I'm an actor too. And then uh, he was like, uh, he was b- bragging to me. Oh, no. That he had been in an episode of Beyond Belief. No. Fantastic. Right. So I had to find that episode <laughs> so that I could watch it. It's, oh my it's God. something to brag about depending on your audience. In like we, we would be very impressed by that. Depending mm-hmm. on if you're being ironic or not. Yeah, that's true yeah. too. That's it kind true. of surprises me the amount of people that I just meet in in the, the world who say, oh my God, I remember that show Beyond Belief. I usually have to start with, uh, so do you know Unsolved Mysteries? And then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, it's not that. So it's this other thing like that. And then then they kind of like it cues them into the right mindset. Right. Uh, so before we get started, I really do want we we like to ask our guests mm-hmm. one other question, which is where do you fall on the spectrum between a very uh, a skeptical mindset and a very I believe in ghosts and the uh, you know the supernatural, supernatural. paranormal. Yeah. Um, I uh, I am what is generally referred to as a stick in the mud. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I, we have I four a, other stick in the muds right here. <laughs> I am a firm believer in the scientific method. So I am always the party pooper when I'm out at like, we're having a party, like a dinner party, and everybody starts telling their stories about that time they saw a ghost or a sure. UFO or they had a psychic experience with somebody. I have, as an adult, learned to just leave the room mm-hmm. or... <laughs> 
just mentally check out and start watching a movie in my head because right. no one's going to want to hear what I have to say. Okay. Uh, well, technically, it's probably night terrors, and you were probably having a uh, fantasy yeah. about that. And you know what? I wonder why it always happens in the middle of the night, never in the middle of the day. Well, exactly. we don't know why we dream, so uh, <laughs> science hasn't figured everything out. Right. I, I mean, there's a there. Are you guys as skeptics? I'm I'm hoping at least one or some of you are familiar with James Randi and the Randi yes, Foundation. Yes, of course. And okay. the and the million dollar and challenge. the million dollar challenge. Come on, the million dollar challenge. And you'd be shocked how many people who insist, no, 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 their psychic is the real one. Right. No, 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 she gives me really good advice. It's crazy. She knew so much about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> so then submit her for the James Randi prize. Yeah, any site, there's this, you guys know about this no. ongoing no. prize, they can win a million dollars if you can prove that you're psychic, boom, million dollars. Mm-hmm. Psychic. No one's won it. And hell, it's been going on for 30, 40, 40, 40 years. years. Yeah, you can, you any psychic <laughs> phenomenon, communication with the dead, ability to predict the future, any of the most common things James Randi's like do it under you know scrutiny prove that you can do it we will give you a million dollars on the spot no one has even that money is just sitting in a bank somewhere earning interest (laughs) 40 who is James why does he have a million dollars he is uh, he was an author right he was an author and a magician a very successful magician and I would say one of the most famous living known skeptics yeah Mm. Uh, a skeptic in like the traditional sense not like you know I'm a climate scientist skeptic right no 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 skeptic in the the sense of the word where it's not about taking a bold claim at its word you do the homework to investigate that kind of skeptic yeah Oh, Do you wow. listen to the podcast Skeptic's Guide to the Universe? I don't. It is probably my favorite podcast, and I've recommended it. Besides to a, this one. Well, besides this one. <laughs> and this Sam's. Make, make sure you're right, subscribed. Right, right. And Sam's. Make <laughs> yeah. sure you're subscribed. It's such a dense nerdy, scientific, skeptically focused podcast that yep. everyone I've recommended it to. It's like, it's too dense for me, but you might like it. I'm sure I would. It, and James Randi's a frequent guest on the show. Oh, They're like great friends with the hosts and everything. Mm. So, you know. See, I have to live with some fun in my life. So I am the open-minded <laughs> one here. Sure. That, uh, that tends to believe some stuff. So I have some, I mean, I feel good about these stories and we can obviously get to those. Oh, we'll definitely, things. we'll definitely dive in. There are some interesting stories this week. So why don't we kick it off with uh, story number one, which is called Witness to Murder. Uh, uh, What's wrong? I just saw a man with a rope. Where? Where do you see him? Shh, listen. I hear a woman's high heel shoes running across the floor. I hear it too. Uh, chill of death is in the air. I love there's this laser light show in the middle in the middle of this episode and it looked like this scene have you guys seen Entrapment? Oh my gosh, I Ray was Ray thinking Orr, of that. Right? Of Catherine Zeta-Jones yeah. 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 Her body. sexily going through the lasers Ooh. and they're supposed to be detecting ghosts with these lasers? I, I, I didn't really understand the point of it. Chris, you're going to give us a story summary. What happened here? Uh, yeah, I'm going to try. So this is a story about a woman who works for a ghost hunter named Dr. Albert Wainwright and they are looking at a house that's claimed to be haunted by the ghosts of a man named Stephen and a woman named Marsha. And apparently Stephen had killed Marsha on the stairway. They hire a psychic to come in and kind of help with the ghost hunting search. And her name is Rosalind Sarno. So at some point in the night while they're doing their uh, investigation, they all claim to see the ghost of Stephen physically kill and strangle the ghost of Marsha on the stairway. And they catch it all on film, which makes them very excited. But on the way out to get the film developed, Dr. Albert Wainwright ends up found dead in his car, strangled by the exposed film that they had caught on camera. So nothing was able to get out. And the woman who was working there says that the ghost of Stephen ended up killing the doctor. Right. So this story is asking us to believe, is it possible that a ghost strangled a man with uh, a roll of film? Uh, <laughs> what do you guys think? Yeah. So this one technically follows the rules that um, that I've come to know. But the the problem is, it seems very, to me, writery, as Mark likes to say on the mm. show. It feels very like, <laughs> it feels like a full story that has a very, like, uh, I- intriguing ending that could be... Uh, a it's li- ironic. A little ironic, a little... A little oh, yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, I want to believe it, but part of me is very skeptical about this, despite the, you know, all the ghost stuff that I believe in. Okay. What ghost stuff do you believe in? I'm just curious. Well, I certainly can believe that they had witnessed an event where there were some kind of uh, specters that they had seen in a hallway on a stairway in the middle of the night. And you say they, like you mean like five or six people on that crew, they all saw the same ghost is what you're saying? You know, that that is part of the story that I find a little stretchy to me. Mm, okay. Because typically <laughs> if it were- That's the one part. That's the one part. the one part. The ghost strangling a guy with film, that, that's okay. on that's Believable. On well, that, How yeah. did he get the film out of the camera <laughs> yeah there's so many questions this is why i'm i'm not defending the story i kind of i'm kind of leaning towards fiction on this one but i will say when we saw this scene uh with the uh the witness of this of this ghost strangling um jesse w- a- asked the question out loud in the room he was like are all of them seeing this yeah or- it was unclear mm-hmm. if just the psychic was seeing these people these right. specters or on if the everyone staircase. could yeah it wasn't and clear it at seemed all. like everyone could because yeah. afterward uh, freak said that the psychic was revealed to be a a, a successful oh. hypnotist right oh, so right. is it possible yeah. that she had fooled all of them into seeing <laughs> this fake vision yeah well, that's another thing that the, the 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 hypnotism part of it why do we even need that part if it were fake if it were written they wouldn't bother it, it seems complicated to add right. that element to it right well, uh, it does and that leads me to a different question and, and maybe you guys can all help me figure out the rules here so i do remember from watching the show as a youth um you know at the end of it uh frakes will tell you which ones are real which ones aren't but the problem i had watching this as a youth was who in you on your side of the TV is declaring the true ones true. We don't we don't exactly have Snopes over here looking into this. <laughs> Welcome to f- episode forty four of us trying to answer that question. Yeah, yeah. we much. all say like, oh, we think that this is true based on someone saying it's true. So okay. we'll go mm-hmm. fact on this one, but it's certainly not happen the way that they're Absolutely. claiming. I, like, yeah. That's a frequent We comment. like to okay. refer to the kernel of truth in this. If there's a story that... You, no factual story on this show is something that we all can buy in as like, okay. oh, that actually like this happened. this took yeah. place 100%. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the factual ones probably have a kernel of truth that they... Uh, definitely elaborated, uh, elaborated on. on generously. Generously. Well, much like in the same way the film Cool Runnings... Which oh. depicts the Bobsled. Jamaican bobsled That's 100% team. fact. Um, <laughs> so and it's 100% incredible. And is 100% incredible. A wonderful <laughs> true story we all know and love. Um, You're going to ruin this for Mark, I feel like. skeptic on me. The fact of the matter is that there was a Jamaican bobsled team in 1988 who bobsled did flip over on one run. Uh-huh. And there is a country called Jamaica. Mm. <laughs> and that is where <laughs> Are you writing down notes, Chris? Well, otherwise, Sam is is a bobsled skeptic <laughs> You That's... already wrote down bobsled skeptic it's, It broke my heart when I learned that was a tourism wow. stunt And those that guys in the bobsled They were not disqualified runners from the Summer Olympics They were all real professional bobsledders Who had oh, the, wow. l- the most loosest of connections to <laughs> Jamaican citizenship mm. so uh that's that's, that's a real downer there. that's a real no, downer i so always so, trust disney so i guess <laughs> what we're saying is that same kind of kernel of truth yeah that's absolutely yeah, so okay much. so oh, i'm gonna fine. pose a question to the more skeptical people on the panel meaning everyone but me <laughs> what do you do you guys see a kernel of truth in this story this particular one the, the kernel of truth is that ghost hunters do exist. As sometimes we know they them. die. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes they die in weird, you know, ways. Beyond that, it is, <laughs> this was clearly something a writer came up with in like 20 minutes. They were like, hey, the deadline's in 20 minutes. I want to get out of here. See my kids. It's Wednesday. <laughs> that is our excuse for every Beyond Belief. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Story. Come back <laughs> the to deadline. That. All right, guys. So we've talked about it. Let's go ahead on to predictions. Uh, first up, Sam. Yeah. Go ahead. Factor fiction. Uh, this story reeked of ridiculousness. Fiction. All right, Tiffany. I'm going to have to agree with Sam on this one. Fiction. Chris. I'm on the same page with everyone here so far, um, it, including the ghost hunter dressing like a safari guy. So I'm going to say <laughs> fiction. Hmm. All right. I'll go next. Yeah, there's something about the film around the neck that just makes me feel fakery. 
Maybe I'll be fooled and I'm reading too much into it, but I'm going to go fiction as well. Mark. Um, yeah, I'm just going to agree with all of you and say fiction. Okay. It's mm, easy rare. when you're last you to know. just go along with the flow. Oh, God, I so hope it's true now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, it hey, will it be. Uh, oh, it will be. And sometimes it's true, but it's like in the 1800s no, in Spain. I want it to be like true with like, we found. <laughs> the newspapers investigated it for months. Oh, I want Frakes to drag the dead, <laughs> the guy's dead body with yeah. the film still around his neck. Yeah. Oh, right under the stage. Nothing would make me happier <laughs> than to find out this story is verifiably true. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That went dark. Well, we've all locked in our predictions, and there's one more prediction we like to make, which is the prediction of random chance. I'm going to flip a coin. Heads is fact, tails is fiction. And at the end, we just like to see if we can beat random chance on this. Let's go. All right, the coin is going to predict fact, and we are going to move <laughs> on to story number two, which oh is boy. called Roulette Wheel. Heads. <laughs> Tails. The most amazing thing was happening. Heads. I flipped that coin 26 times in a row, and Heads. 26 times I called it right. It was like I could will it to come up the way I wanted it to. Tails. For the first time in my life, I was in control. So in this story, they start off by uh, telling us it takes place in the Royale Casino. Already I'm feeling like the writers just took Casino Royale and flipped the words around, and I'm thinking fiction already. Uh, <laughs> Tiffany, you're going to give us a story summary. What happened here? Yeah, so we're following Jimmy Welsh. He is a gambling addict at the Royale Casino, and his game of choice is roulette, and he's losing, and he is a consistent loser at the table. Um, you know, the people who work there notice that he comes there every single week and constantly loses. So he's going through this losing streak and then he goes to the bathroom and he's drying his hands and the hand dryer shocks him, goes back out to the tables and all of a sudden his, you know, his luck is completely changed and he's winning. And then soon he's up to a hundred thousand dollars and then he's up to $500,000 and there's a crowd there and everyone just can't believe what they're seeing. But, you know, man has to pee. So he goes back to the bathroom. He's electrocuted again by a different hand dryer. Um, he goes back and he ends up losing all the money that he had won. Oh. Right. So this story is just asking us to believe, is it possible that a guy can have a hot streak, I guess, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's basically A hot it. streak caused by, not just a hot streak, a hot streak where he could not lose. Uh, keeping in mind, he's calling roulette wheel numbers. Now, yeah. on an American roulette wheel, as opposed to a European roulette wheel, as I'm sure we all know, <laughs> uh, it's numbers yeah. 1 through 36 <laughs> plus a single zero and a double zero. So you have a 38 to 1 chance of guessing correctly. What are the green ones? A zero and double zero. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was just testing it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, as we all know. And a European roulette wheel, of course, lacks the double zero. Which of course, yeah, of course. Absolutely. So it's Naturally. only 37 to one. Definitely. Anyway, um, so what, what that he was suggesting is the story suggests that he was able to correctly call 38 to one odds against, you know, enough times in a row to amass $500,000. Right. Starting the, from the, 10. Yeah. Starting from $10. From $10. Yeah. yeah. The, the lucky, or not the lucky, the emergency $10 <laughs> he keeps in his shoe. But never gambles. But never gambles. And, and a roulette wheel hitting a, a number straight up pays 35 to 1. I was so blown away. I think we all were like communitively like just going like, don't go back into the bathroom. Yeah. It was like a horror movie, like girl, don't go in there. And yep. then he like goes in and puts his hands under the dryer. We're like, don't do that. And then he stops and he's like, I'm not going to get shocked again. But right. then he puts his hands under the other dryer and yeah. gets shocked. <laughs> I don't think he realized that the shock was what caused the luck. And I think it's clear to us, but I don't think he made that connection, which no, is silly. I guess not. Mm -hmm. Or he also didn't think, you know, paper towels exist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's this kind of like uh, crossfade and montage and we see the clock on the wall and then it's like morning and he's still gambling and winning all the house's money. And then Sam's like, yeah, no, they would have closed the table. <laughs> I, I, I've spent a lot of times in casinos and even quite a bit of that time at roulette wheels. And the fact of the matter is the maximum bet at that table, which was a regular table out in the open, was probably a hundred to maybe five hundred dollars. So even hitting that straight up, it would be impossible for him to amass the kind of money that he did without the pit boss getting a phone call from the eye in the sky saying, yeah, yeah this guy's on a lucky streak. 
close the table. Right. Especially if it's a European roulette wheel. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. I think we could agree on that. You know, yeah. The time yeah, zone. The time yeah. zone. I, I, I took a good look. He was gambling on an American roulette wheel. Okay. Oh, okay. They, they reserve the European roulette wheels for the high stakes areas. <laughs> I see. Which no, he was they, definitely not in. When they do that, are, are, is he able to just move to another table or are they going to like do that kind of like casino thing where they're like, eh, you better leave, buddy, or like that well, kind of, is that more of a movie thing? That's or? more of a, a movie thing. What casinos may do, because it's a private establishment ultimately, they're within their rights to say, it seems like you're on a hot streak and I don't think we can take you on today, so you're welcome to play any other game, but our blackjack tables are closed to you from now on. And they can mm-hmm. use that as the reasoning to, to stop you from playing? 100%. They can say anything they want, huh. much like any restaurant can eject you and refuse service. If you're on um, a hot streak. You if you're on a hot streak. The restaurant could say, you're out of here. Yeah. yeah, if you're ordering all the right appetizers yep. and they're coming out and they're really tasty, and they'll we just be like- We need you to leave. Yeah, we need we you to leave. You're ordering all the good food. All the good food. No so, one yeah. else can eat it. So the casino would have 100% after he hits the sixth number in a row, straight up, would have been like, hey, looks like it's your lucky day, so <laughs> we're calling it quits right here. <laughs> yeah. Good luck at the crap stable, buddy. And had they done that, he would have been better off. Presumably. <laughs> yeah. I, his downfall was really, um, you know, drinking too much of the free alcohol they provided him with and having to go back to that bathroom. Mm-hmm. Or, <laughs> or, exactly. or I'll do you one better. His real downfall was being hygienic. Yeah, oh, and being, absolutely. And Don't being wash in the minority, being yep. in the minority of of American men who properly wash their hands after using a public bathroom, and he's going to go right back to touching those chips. And where have they been? Who knows? Mm. It's disgusting. I yeah. did like that when he got shocked by the second hand dryer, and he walked out. They focus on the first hand dryer as if like one's good, one's bad. Like he can go back and shock himself again. Like it really just go right there. back. It's like the angel and the devil yeah. hand dryers. Yeah, it's good. All right, guys, let's go ahead on to predictions. Chris, fact or fiction? This is a weird story, but at the same time, how many gamblers are in the United States or anywhere in the world actually who could be on a winning streak and have this exact story? So I'm going to say fact. All right, I'll go next. Something about the amount of money that he won, the thing that Sam's bringing up is a logistical issue for me. I don't feel like he'd be able to just stay at the same casino. Maybe the writers are taking a true story and kind of simplifying it for the audience and just maybe he was at five different casinos that night, but something's not ringing true. So I'm going to go fiction. Tiffany. Yeah, just I, it's ridiculous, but I feel like there's a kernel of truth here that just kind of got expanded upon into what story they heard and put on the screen. So I'm going to say fact. All right, Sam. I'm, I'm, I just can't do it. I, I, I even, even, uh, anecdotally. Oh, you hear about the guy at the, the four queens? He, he hit 17 numbers straight up at roulette. It was crazy. They had to pay him like $30,000. <laughs> even that, I feel like it's, j- the casino would shut that down so fast. We're talking 35 to one. It is a significant payout. And if he's trying to bet even two or three hundred dollars, Per spin at an at a regular on the floor table, I say they shut that down. It's it's a completely fake story at best, <laughs> um, and at worst, it's a fake story from the lovely people of Beyond Belief. So I say no, fake. Okay, he's going fiction. Mark, you know that was good. <laughs> I think that the hand dryer bit is so stupid. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I don't think the writers would have come up with that. <laughs> it's just so... That's an interesting theory. Look at Sam right now. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go I'm gonna go fact. God, all right. You. We've all locked in our predictions and let's flip a coin. All right. The coin is going to predict fiction and we are going to move on to story number three, which is called the phrenologist. For, phrenologist. For, <laughs> You know, I know how to pronounce it when I don't read it, mm-hmm. but then I read it and there's a lot of P's and read yep. Farina, not Farina. Just leaves the head with some writing on it. The phrenologist's head. Odell, you are not going to believe what I found. You know that little antique shop in the village? Well, I was just passing by when I saw this in the window. A phrenologist's head. <laughs> I love it. Oh, and I haven't even told you the best part yet. Okay, just guess. Who this once belonged to. I don't know who. Sigmund Freud. 
phrenology is uh, the detailed study of the shape and size of the cranium as a supposed indication of character and mental abilities. And they go into this idea of how it's like complete nonsense in the show. It's like an old folklore mm-hmm. pre-science idea. Oh, yes. I had never it, heard of this before, actually. Although, didn't they also say that it was like a Freud thing? Yeah, but he's also, he was a... Uh, forefront in a lot of areas, but he also believed in a lot of stuff that like modern scientists and psychologists have debunked already. Yeah. They've kind of like moved away. I don't know that they said that Freud necessarily believed in phrenology, but the, the, the hook of it was that the uh, phrenologists had the, the, the figure that they, she, you know, she gave to her husband was owned by Dr. Freud. For, for, for all we know, Freud thought it was fooey right, too. Right, Freud yeah. laughed at it. Ha ha ha! ha I'll <laughs> keep that in my office just to show my patients that I know right from wrong. As I talk about sex not. and your mother, yeah. <laughs> that's what he did. Ooh. And penises. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'll give the story summary here. Basically, this is a story about a doctor who is a neurosurgeon, and he's going to be operating on this woman who has a very um, fatal tumor. It's like a 50-50 shot if she's going to live or die. And he's really upset about it. He's invested in this woman. And so later his wife comes in and says, hey, I found this uh, old phrenologist head. And it's like this um, basically human head skull with all these markings on it. It's divided into like 50 sections and there's numbers on it all. And there's a map that corresponds and like section one is for love and section two is for happiness. And it just is this whole like old school science uh, idea. And So she gives him the head, and there's this mark on the head, and they rub it off, pay no mind. But the mark keeps coming back two, three times. And when he really looks at it, he goes, hold on a second, what does this mark uh, actually mean? So he pulls out the map, looks inside, and it is related to the cautiousness center of the brain. And uh, then he is thinking about it, and he goes, wait a second, the mark, uh, it's like a smudge on the head is in the same spot as the tumor. So he does a little more digging, and he finds out that the woman's paperwork was uh <laughs> the woman's paperwork was shuffled up and she actually never had the tumor so he caught it in the nick of time so the story's asking us to believe is it possible that a mark on an old head prop uh could lead someone down a path of uh saving uh, unnecessary surgery i don't know if she would have died i feel like they would have had a 50-50 no no they had a 50-50 shot of removing the tumor but i feel like they would have uh. conducted the surgery opened her up and then they would have been like shit yeah they would have opened just, her cranium they would have looked inside and been like Where's the tumor? Right. I don't see any abscess. I don't see any growth. Well, we might as well keep digging really yeah. aggressively. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that would have um, been, she would have been okay. She would have been fine. I mean, it would have been a terrible recovery for her. Right. But, she would have uh, had a scar or whatever. Right. But ultimately, she probably would have been just fine. <laughs> and Wait, rich. Are you, I was going to say, are you guys the hospital's lawyer or something? You're like, it's not no, a, no, big it's not a big deal. <laughs> just opening up her head. But like, she would have been fine. She would have been fine. She would have saved. She yeah. Saved it's like she a scar. She would have been a little a little sore about it. A headache. You know? Yeah. You know? You know? You know, it would have been a two to four week recovery at, like, at most. Take some Advil. You'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> take two, call me in the morning. We accidentally open people's skulls all the time. <laughs> That's what Jonathan breaks it at the end. It's yeah. like, well, he was like, oh, does hospital paperwork just get mixed up sometimes? And I'm like, well, yeah, but don't remind me when it comes to brain surgery. Yeah. I'd like, to, I'd like to be sure. This story is yeah. very believable, isn't it? A it's little like, too believable, right? And so I get the feeling the that this story is is probably based on someone retelling a, a thing where it was like, oh, and I was being wheeled into surgery, and my doctor came in and said, no, stop! I just checked the records, and it's wrong. And when I asked him why afterward, he said, oh, well, I just got this phrenology head as a gift, and I <laughs> I just I happened to notice that there was the tiniest mark right on the same area, and it got me to thinking, and so I looked. And then the 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 whole story about the smudge being removed and then coming back multiple times. That's just that you was know, made that's up. part of the legend. That's probably made up. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. I'm just thinking, like, good thing that this mark was on the cautiousness like section of the brain, and mm-hmm. not like the do it now section. <laughs> of the, like he opens up the map, and it's like do the surgery section of the brain. Yeah. Like I just right gotta cut next into it. to the cautiousness, <laughs> right next, but not on it. <laughs> well, I could totally buy into the idea that this doctor had this th- whatever sign from the universe he thought he was getting. He read into a certain way which caused him to lead down this path where he discovered 
the truth that eventually saved this woman from getting a surgery that she didn't need. I think that's all the story is. And, you know, to me, that's very believable. Well, and I also think it's not just like, oh, everyone has these feelings, but he also has, you know, a scientific background and training. And I would also think that there'd be an element of other things must be going wrong with this woman for them to think that she has a tumor. So I would kind of hope that maybe he put together like, huh, like her blood, you know, results or like he yeah. has, she doesn't really have a headache. Or- they talk about like expert performers at that level. They have these things called mental representations where they think it's intuition and gut, but it's actually just yeah. subconscious training that they're like, I've got a bad feeling about this. And it's not like the supernatural bad feeling. It's just like they've noticed something and haven't really consciously connected the dots and mm-hmm. then they'll dig deeper and then boom, you know, there's the weird thing. Yeah, that's yeah. what I read like to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like Malcolm Gladwell's Blink. Yes. It's that that innate, you've done it a million times, and so when you describe it, you can't put it into words. You, I don't know, I just had this feeling. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's because you did it a million right. times. You're a neurosurgeon. Yeah, you you trained to do this. You've identified it, and so what an, another person could look at for a year and not spot, you got like that without even thinking about it. So, mm-hmm. exactly. so the question is, can this story be considered fact if the whole smudge on this skull thing uh, is just totally a made-up part of it. Yeah, because know. is Jamaica a real country? <laughs> okay, good point. Cool runnings rule. A new rule. A new rule. I do like this. I talk about this idea like uh, ghosts make elaborate plans. If mm-hmm. there is a ghost... And the is it the spirit of Sigmund Freud? Is it supposed to be that? Whatever <laughs> it is, <laughs> making the smudge reappear, why doesn't he just write out, hey, check the tumor. It was a mix-up of the paperwork in the smudge ink. Well, he only spoke German, you see. <laughs> oh, right. right. Freud was from Austria. English speaking <laughs> type of communication. Uh, <laughs> wow, I've totally changed my opinion yeah. on this story. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead on to predictions. Tiffany, fact or fiction? Yeah, I think there's a kernel of truth to this story, so I'm going to go fact. Chris, it seems very believable to me that people can get signs from however they want to read them, and that could lead to what happened here. So I'm going to say fact. Sam? We certainly know that uh, sometimes doctors accidentally send patients for surgeries that they may or may not actually need. Uh, I will say fact. All right, Mark? You know, I just think the kernel of truth is so generic and basic that I'm going to go fiction. Ooh, I like it. it. No, I like it. Good for you. He's going <laughs> off the path. We'll see. Uh, I'll go last. Something about phrenology seems too specific. I think that this is from a fact-based story. All right, we've all locked in our predictions. Let's flip a coin. <laughs> I was getting good at this. I regret my decision. Yeah, you should. Fact is what the coin is predicting, and we are going to move on to story number four, which is called The Bridge. Don't be afraid. Stay calm. I'll help you. Where did she come from? I know there was no one else on the bridge. Thank you. I saw her name tag. It read Margaret Lang. It's a name I'll never forget. You have to get off the bridge right away. I think we've all just witnessed the most expensive special effect that Beyond Belief has ever put their money into. Oh Absolutely. It was this shot of a bridge snap, like one of these Indiana Jones style long mm-hmm. rope bridges mm-hmm. across a chasm. It so was right- the opposite of the animation that you see in the uh, the general insurance commercials. Right? <laughs> that's not going to That's not going to carry over. <laughs> Why did I tell you what the story's about? <laughs> Sounds good. What happened here? Uh, we have Trisha, who's a grad student, but she loves to go hiking. She went hiking all the time with her family it's really important to her um so she gets a chance to go out and she goes on this trail and she comes across this bridge that is really spooky and she doesn't have a good feeling but you know she's gonna cross it and right when she kind of gets onto it her knees kind of start to get wobbly she's feeling kind of sick and faint it's like all these things are kind of forcing her not to go forward but for some reason she continues to go forward uh and then does the bridge start to collapse at this point, swaying. it starts swaying. Yeah, it's wind really, yeah. really okay. picks up. Yeah, we feel like it's going to go. It's going to go. And then this nurse comes out of nowhere and she helps Trisha across the bridge. And Trisha notices a name tag on the nurse's uniform that says Margaret Lang. Then the bridge snaps and Margaret Lang falls and dies. 
and Trisha finds her parents later and they're so happy that she's there. But, you know, the rescue or the cops, they can't find the nurse who's on the bridge. And then Trisha tells her parents, like, yeah, there was a nurse. I'm telling you her name. She had a name tag and it said um, Margaret Lang. And they're like, oh, my God, we have something to tell you. Uh, <laughs> you're adopted and your parents died in a car accident. And your mom was a nurse and her name was Margaret Lang. Yes. So this story is asking us to believe, is it possible that a woman could be saved by her dead biological mother? You know? There mm-hmm. we go. Inter- I, you know, this one's an interesting one because if this woman somehow knew the name of the mother. Or seen an old picture growing up right. and didn't maybe. realize who right. it was. Right. Like yeah, something maybe, like maybe that. there was some subconscious something. She'd heard the parents talking about the name mm-hmm. or saw. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's like, that's where that kind of comes from for me. Here's yeah. what it makes this so conflicting for me in terms of if I think it's factual or not is it's such a simple story. Sometimes we see these Beyond Belief stories that have all these extra, you know, hypnosis thrown into it. Mm. This one is so simple. Woman we, on a bridge. Woman on a bridge. We almost, <laughs> yep. she pretty much starts there. Yep. Then the she sees this ghost, uh, the bridge collapses, and then we have the big reveal at the end. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So I don't know if that leads me, I, I wrote down fact, and I, and I may end up voting that way, but something also tells me that it, a writer could easily think of this and and write it in such a simple way. I don't know. Well, because it's such a trope, the old I've been dead for 10 years, we all knew it. Um, that feels a little bit like the writers being a little lazy, maybe going back to the old, she's been dead the whole time well. Like, yeah. Mm. That's where I'm feeling a little fictiony on this one. Yeah. Well, for me, the reason that uh, Beyond Belief might be willing, I think, to consider this a true story is it is ultimately one person's word yeah. about what happened. Beyond that, then you have to ask yourself, all right, so let's say that that happened. Why might this woman think this is a real story? I think it's the kind of thing where, and I don't know if this is a confirmed thing or if it's a theory among scientists and psychologists, when they talk about memory and they say that the reason memories fade is because every time that you think of an event, something that happened to you, the time you're thinking of it you're not actually remembering the event, but you're remembering the last time you remembered it. Right, yes, mm-hmm. I've heard this too. And yep. so that's why when something happens to you and then you think about it once or twice, you know, a couple of years, every once or a few years, and then 30 years later, you try to recall it, you'll swear up and down, no, that's exactly how it happened to me, but you can be wrong because every time you've remembered it, maybe you misremembered yeah. one thing 10 years earlier. It's like your own game of telephone in your head. In really. your head. That's mm-hmm. and, and unfortunately, brains are not perfect. They're not computer hard drives. They are fallible. So perhaps she remembered having this crazy event happen to her on this bridge and then Later that same year, her parents told her, oh, honey, you're adopted. We waited until you were almost an adult because we just didn't know the right time and we were worried, you know, you thought we wouldn't love you. And then she learned her mother's name. And then 10 years later, she mm-hmm. learned that the mother was a nurse. And then she was remembering that time and she was telling a story. And oh, there was a time I almost died on a thing. And I swear, I saw my somebody. mother, mm-hmm. my birth mother, Lang, was the one who told me <laughs> because they didn't give a a decade in the story about her hiking. I mean, they presented right. it to us as a modern day thing, but it's entirely possible that it was an old woman telling this story that yeah. she went on a hike in 1958 mm-hmm. and then she hadn't told the story until 1993 to some person. So in that regard, I could say perhaps. I could also see it where she mentions to the parents, I saw a woman in white and then they're the ones that oh, say, yeah. "Sure, well, your mother was a nurse. Maybe that's who it was. And go. her name was Mar- and And she didn't know the name or any of that right, stuff. Right, right, right. Well, we've totally certainly had single source stories before. Which annoy mm-hmm. me to no end. Because I know. when you have a one source story, it's like, at the very worst case scenario, someone lied about it. it right. d- if you have a single source story, no matter what they say, it can technically be considered factual right. as a story. Right. You know, that's their source for it. So, mm-hmm. right. yeah. The real question is, when they're, when they're trying to determine fact or fiction on Beyond Belief, the question really is, so who wrote this story? The person telling it or our writers? Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. That's really what you're answering. <laughs> that's and so right. true. We still don't get it right. Either way, it's written. <laughs> get it right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's go on to predictions. Mark, fact or fiction? My gut said 
fact, Chris, you made a good point about it being so simple. It is so beyond beliefy. But I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say fact. All right, I'll go next. I think that this is very believable, but I do feel like it's an old go to the well of the dead Mm -hmm. the whole time Mm -hmm. thing. For some reason, that's just sticking with me. So I'm going to go fiction. Tiffany. I feel like there's a kernel of truth to this story, and I think it's so easily believable. I'm going to go fact. Sam? I feel like women go hiking all the time, so I'm going to (laughs) say fact. We do. It's true. Believable. Chris? Yeah, so I'm going to do a little bit of metagaming here and looking at the answers that I wrote down for the other ones. I'm going to say that this one is simple and believable, so I'm going to also say fact. All right. We've all locked in our predictions. Let's flip a coin. All right, the coin is going to predict fact, and we are going to move on to our fifth and final story of today's episode, which is called The Cigar Box. Hey, John. Having the usual? I didn't come in to eat, Aggie. I'm here because a mistake was made. What kind of mistake? This cigar box you bought. It's actually mine. If it's yours, you should have it back, Mr. August. No, I don't need it now. There's just this one thing inside that matters to me. All right, the cigar box. Sam, you're going to give us a story summary. What happened here? Okay, so the cigar box tells the story of a mother and daughter, Aggie and Heather Baker. Aggie is a waitress, and on Sunday mornings before she goes into work, she likes to take her daughter to the local swap meet. Right before they're about to leave, the daughter sees this cigar box that's vibrating. And so she tells her mom, no, 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 we have to buy it. We have to. So finally, the mother buys it for a dollar. And then uh, she takes it to her mother's restaurant. So the mother's working and the daughter's just sitting there uh, trying to figure out why this box is vibrating. And uh, while she's sitting there at the counter, an old man named John August comes into the restaurant. Uh, he says, oh, I, I found out that she sold you this box. And uh, the problem is it, it wasn't hers to sell. That's actually my box. And, you know, there's there's stuff in there that's personal to me. So the mother and daughter are like, oh, that's terrible. Of course you can have it. He goes, well, really, I just want the one thing in there. So he goes fishing around the box and he finds a a purple heart medal from uh, from the military. And uh, he explains to them that, no, this purple heart, I got it fighting the Nazis. And uh, got to throw that in there. Yep. (laughs) Got to throw throw it in there. there. I'm quoting from the episode here. (laughs) And so they're like, oh, well, by all means, you you take that, you get out of here. So then the the mother and daughter are a couple hours later, they're leaving the restaurant talking about how crazy that was. And now the daughter's like, it's weird. As soon as he, you know, took that box out of there, I I guess it's not going to vibrate anymore. And I guess John had mentioned something about, well, maybe it was vibrating because the purple heart was the, the heart the heart of the box and uh, anyway so they're walking down the street and it's nightfall now and they see an ambulance a couple blocks away and they're like oh what's this ambulance and then a a very well informed uh, EMT who apparently doesn't know about HIPAA rules at all just says uh, no uh, there's a dead guy inside one of the residents uh, passed away and oh no who was it it was John August and they're like oh my god we just saw Mr. August a couple hours ago we gave him his purple heart back and then this uh, very well informed EMT he was like, no, no, that's that can't be right. Uh, the coroner looked at this guy. He's been dead for two, three days at least. That couldn't have been him talking to you in there. No, this guy's long dead. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, you think that's where it's going to end, but then the happy ending is they're like, well, after they buried Mr. August, we s- s- found some of the baseball cards in the box, and I took them to a local dealer only to find out they were worth $50,000. Mm-hmm. Right. Take it to Finn. the bank. Yeah. Finn. End. <laughs> what we didn't see is her go gamble all that money away. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. That's right. 37, 37. Let's do yep. this. There is no 37 on a roulette. Wheel. You're going <laughs> to lose it. every time. All the numbers I could have named. That's why you keep losing at roulette. Stick with seven. 36. Stick with seven. Um, so this story is asking us to believe, is it possible that a guy could be dead and and show up in a in a restaurant and take or, the Purple Heart? And or could a cigar box filled with old crap vibrate? Yeah. Yes. Could it vibrate? I have so many problems with this story. Me too. Mm. I, I, this story is kind of like Sam made it seem very logical, but it's not. It, well, first tell them what uh, the, the big part of the story, which is the casting. Oh, that's right. Uh, mm. Campbell Lane is uh, the actor who plays the old man, and he is the voiceover artist who does all of the Beyond Belief. Season four. Season four. He, he takes over for Don LaFontaine. Yes, exactly. Oh, rest in peace, Don mm-hmm. LaFontaine. Rest in peace. The father of everything. I mean, you you can hear his voice like 
Beyond belief. And then Campbell mm. Lane comes in and does, there's just no comparison. It's just different. But anyway, he's in this. He's he in was this, a great performer on the show. I totally yeah. agree. One, the the one of the better actors the show has seen, quite honestly. <laughs> like, So I have a weird theory. I have a theory that he went to the show's producers. <laughs> yes. He said, yes. I want to be in the penultimate episode and I want to fuck everybody. And I want this story to be totally fiction and I want people no. to buy it. And I'm this old man, and I'm going to do this heartfelt war story. I like story. the idea that he said, and I'm this old man. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm this old man. Yep. Yeah, no, there's a lot of convoluted uh, tomfoolery going on here. Like, she says, the mom says, you know, and then one of our regulars walked into the restaurant, John August. Okay, so what we're saying here is that a mom and daughter went to a swap meet, bought a random box... And the first coincidence already is that of all the boxes, of all the restaurants, of all the swap meets, this guy walks in and is like, hey, I'm one of your regular customers and mm. you happen to buy my box. That already, that's like a crazy coincidence. The convenient yeah. ending with her getting money in the end from choosing this box that ends up paying for right. college they or whatever. They tack that on yeah, because yeah. there's nothing else going. Like I wrote down in my notes, what's the lesson here? Yeah, And like, why does he come back for the Purple Heart? That never ties in. It's just important to him that he needs it on yeah. his deathbed. You know what I think the lesson is? Honest to God, possession is nine-tenths of the law. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, old man. Yeah. I paid a dollar for this box, <laughs> and if you want it back... That'll be $5,000. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, something in here worth worth a lot to you? How much you got on you right now? <laughs> That's <laughs> not enough. That's what that sweet girl actually said when he came into the restaurant. Right. The writers are like, well, we can't put that in there. The nope. audiences are going to hate that. Sorry, John August. Not enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell it walking. <laughs> well, and even if you're uh, someone who believes that ghosts could do this, I still have a problem with that theory, too, because why would a ghost or a spirit be so tied to a physical, physical object yeah. in this in they've the passed on world. They're, right. they're like it's they, so they don't need that for whatever metric you're grading this story i feel like and maybe you guys can help me if you if you're going to sway me but i'm leaning yeah. towards fiction on this one for oh, sure i mean the fact that the box vibrates and the daughter <laughs> okay. sees it vibrate like if they threw a line in there where the mother was like honey you didn't take any more of my lsd did you <laughs> i would maybe be like oh no she would oh, swear in court that, that box was yeah. vibrating <laughs> Definitely. I don't doubt that right. for a minute. Right, right, right. Uh, but no, and then then the notion that his purple heart metal was the heart making the box vibrate. I mean, <laughs> they just call that metal a purple heart. What if they called that metal, you know, a, a purple honor badge? I don't think we <laughs> right. have a story. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. You, I'm waiting for you guys to say, no, this is actually factual. There was a vibrator in the box, uh, and that's what did it. I don't think, well. He really wanted well, it back. It's important. It's I, important. I don't, need that old box you haven't opened it up yet have you <laughs> okay I, okay here we go here's the here's the mythbusters version of how the story could be theoretically true there was a toy inside that made uh -huh. the box vibrate so the daughter saw a vibrating box an old man showed up not maybe necessarily like oh i heard through the grapevine you got my box but just the old man regular walked in there and was like oh hey that, uh, that cigar box has a bunch of cool stuff in there like that Hannes Wagner card. Uh, let me take that off your hands. And then the girl was like, nah, I'm going to hang on to it. You know, my mom bought it and it's for me. And then the old man was like, mm, fine, but I'll get you. And then he leaves. <laughs> and uh, and then they walk out of the thing and then they see an ambulance and it's like, oh no, did somebody die? Yeah, there was a real bitter old man who just got denied by a girl. <laughs> and the coroner just messed up, thought the guy had been dead for three days when he'd been dead three hours. And then uh, guess what? Hannes Wagner cards, very uh, uh, profitable if you have one. <laughs> <laughs> so then they sell it, and then boom, they got a lot of money, and there's no actual weirdness here, just a weird kind of small town, fuck you, this is my box now, I'm not giving you anything. Mm, interesting. Very good point. All right, well, let's go ahead on to predictions. First up, Tiffany, fact or fiction? Yeah, I think that there is just so many writer tropes tied up into one story in this. I'm going to go fiction. So I'll go next. This feels like a true story that was adapted and crammed into one thing and they couldn't quite make it smooth. That's where I'm going with this. So I'm going to go fact. Chris. Usually, I, I kind of agree that complicated stories typically can tend to lean factual, but there's so many things that I have trouble with uh, with this story and I'm going to say fiction. All right, Mark. Uh, vibrating box didn't happen. 
Um, is he a regular? Probably not. Purple Heart might have not happened. So someone just died? Someone <laughs> someone died fast. Someone got, you know, found their butt. Well, maybe the Purple Heart did happen. I don't know. I'm going to go. I think there's a kernel. I'm going to go fact. Okay, Sam. I keep all of my vibrating dildos in a cigar box under my bed. So I say fact. No, I'm fucking with you. Fiction. It's bad writing. We got to check. <laughs> all right. Let's flip a coin. What did it land on? The dildo. <laughs> it landed on the dildo side. Okay, the dildo side. Dildo is side that, up. Is that a fiction? I think dildo side is a fiction. All right. The coin is predicting fiction, and in a moment, we'll find out which stories are fact and which are fiction. Stay with us. Chris, we're here in the studio. We are. That's correct. We're always in the studio. Usually, that's correct. You know, um, we frequently uh, never leave the studio. I'm going to go with correct again. Yes. There's a lot of correct facts being flown around today. Uh, speaking of facts, we have a special guest that's going to drop some facts and maybe some fictions. Misty Stinnett, welcome to Beyond Beyond Belief. Well, let me say, welcome back. Oh, that's true. To Thank Beyond you. Beyond Belief. Welcome Thank back. you. I'm so excited to be back. Misty was one of our guest hosts on the all-female episode of Beyond Beyond Belief. You may remember her from that. How'd you do? Uh, I... I can't I kind of blacked out on how I did? I think I did okay, but do remember there were two Misties that episode. That's true. So we had the incredible Misty Monroe, who's mm-hmm. hilarious and amazing. So great. I'm not that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay, but you're your own Misty. That's right. And the uh, budget version. And, and, and Chris and I decided to have the budget Misty on today because you are <laughs> starting your own podcast or you've started your own yeah, podcast. It's yes. called Go Help Yourself. Yeah. So so basically my co-host Lisa Linky and I, who's this incredible comedian, she's amazing. We review a self-help book every single week. Wow. And our tagline is a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. That's right. So, um to kind of uh to kind of factor fictiony up yes. this segment, we asked you to bring in some self-help tips to share with our listeners. Yeah, that's right. So, in true beyond beyond belief fashion, I'm going to tell you a piece of advice or a tip from a self-help book. You tell me if it's fact or if it's fiction. Great. Love and we'll it. see how you do. Okay. Um, should we pit you two against each other? Yeah, why not? I, we're all we're always pitted. It's the default mode for Chris and I'd be pitted. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that. That's so sweet. <laughs> In 2010, Maxim recommended that if a man wants to make his intentions clear to a woman he's attracted to in public, he should lick her. Fact or fiction? 2010. Hmm. That was when it was acceptable. I'm going to say fact. <laughs> <laughs> um. God, that's just too out there for me. So I'm going to go fiction. Go on fiction. Oof, okay. Chris, you're the winner. Mm. This is fact. Mm-hmm. Maxim said, please and I clarify, quote, please clarify. if you're out in public, but want to make your intentions clear, slowly and firmly flick your tongue against the palm of her hand. If she just wipes it off down her skirt, you've blown it. I agree. Um, if she, if she wipes <laughs> it off on the skirt, you have blown it. <laughs> okay. You're doing great. In You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero, she advocates that readers should buy the cars they want to have, regardless of whether or not they can actually afford them, because it will force them to live outside their comfort zone. Fact or fiction? Okay, I'm going to go fiction on this one. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I kind of want to go fiction, but I think that some crazy person out there could advocate this for this reason. So I, I'm going to say fact. So just before Misty reveals the answer, Chris, does that mean that you are going to take this advice and buy a car that you can't afford? I've already done it. Oh. And I'm drowning in debt. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to let myself out. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast took a weird turn. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so Chris is right again. Oh, God. This is fact and it is something that fully triggers me on the episode if you want to hear it she has an entire story about how she bought an audi over a honda crv when she couldn't afford it and then immediately found a way to pay it off that she sure would never have happened had she quote played small with the honda right i have one question before we move on Mm -hmm. can i borrow 30 bucks (laughs) he's still the drowning in debt last one 
In Helen Gurley Brown's 1962 book, Sex and the Single Girl, she recommended that her readers sleep with one new man each day for a month in order to gain more skill in the bedroom. Fact or fiction? I mean, that's just a cold, hard fact. (laughs) That is a cold, hard fact. And specifically hard and cold. Got it. If I wasn't there before, I am now. Thank you. Yes. Um... This is a lot. This is a long time ago for that mm-hmm. many men a month. I'm going to go fiction on this one. So the answer is it's fiction. <gasps> but it was 64, well, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was 1964, mm-hmm. not 62. Gotcha. So her actual advice is that she suggested her readers sleep with a married man. Quote, are married men off limits? Not always. Pluses, good sex, admiration, even adoration from him. And then I wrote, this is why we have to think critically about the self-help advice we are receiving. It's true. It's crazy. That's gross. It's gross. But what's the old saying? Don't uh, 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 criticize it till you try it. Yeah. It rhymes so mm-hmm. well. The other saying is, go help yourself. And it's available every Friday. And every Tuesday. And every Tuesday mini episodes. <laughs> oh, right. So you so you do you do main uh, hour longs and then you do these mini episodes yeah. on Tuesdays as well. I love that. It's a great podcast. You guys got to check it out every Friday. Go help yourself. Subscribe today. Yes. Misty, thank you so much for joining us on Beyond Beyond Belief. Thanks again. so much for having me. Which stories were fact? Which stories were fiction? First up, first story, Witness to Murder. This is the one about Dr. Albert Wainwright. He's the ghost hunter. And was he hypnotized by a psychic to see a ghost? We don't know. Who's to say? As a recap, everyone thinks that this story is fiction. Let's find out what the truth is. Can it be that this story is fact? Yes, it is. This event was reported (laughs) as taking place in England in the years following World War II. (laughs) Fact. Sam, <laughs> thoughts on Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> this is why I never watch this show. You want a fact? You want a fact? Here's a fact. In 1999, I saw Jonathan Frakes eating at the now closed Tommy Tang's on Melrose. And I walked over there with my brother to be like, hey, Jonathan Frakes, I'm not here to bother you about Star Trek but you're working with a friend of mine on this show. You're shooting for Annie, and I just want to say hello. And I foolishly walked over and went, hi, Jonathan Frakes. And he looked at me and my brother, took one look at these teenage nerds and went, <laughs> nope. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're you're not Jonathan Frakes? And his fucking buddies are giggling at the table. And he's like, yeah, no, I, I'm sorry. And my brother says, you look exactly like him. Have you never heard that? And he goes, no. Oh my God. Huh. So then we walk away dejected as fuck. And then, like, five days later, I go to audition for a movie called Clockstopper. Oh, shit. Directed by I one j- Jonathan Frakes. Absolutely. And I walk in, and guess who's there? Uh, I'm about to audition for the same motherfucker from Tommy Tang's five <laughs> days ago. He's eating a to go order from Tommy Tang's right there. Yeah. And I walk in there, and, uh, and the casting director's like, oh, this is Jonathan Frakes. And I was like, I'm sorry, Jonathan Frakes? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, yeah. And I goes, huh, so weird. I just met a guy in Tommy Tang's. Looks exactly like you. (laughs) And I just stared him dead fucking in the eye. There's a fact. There's a fact. (laughs) None of this dead ghost film strangled the guy. All right. So did you you get the role? Yeah, I did not get the part. (laughs) I did not get the part. Oddly enough. Wow. Well, that is a coincidence-based story. So typically it those is. tend to be fact. Wow. I'm going to say fact I'm going to go that. fact on that yeah. one as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah there's a so. kernel of truth there. Yeah. I don't know if the Tommy Tang's thing actually yeah, happened. Fiction. Fiction. No. <laughs> I can't wait for the four other gems that Sam has. I can this. produce witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's move on to story number two. This is Roulette Wheel. This is the one about the guy who had a hot streak. As a recap, Chris, Tiffany, Mark, you guys think this actually happened? Sam, you and I believe this is fiction. Let's find out what the truth is. Is it possible that this story is true? Not this time. It's a fraud. Mm. Fiction. Yeah, and again, I I have to lean on my, um, you know, knowledge of the inner workings of casinos. (laughs) 
Uh, just I'm a big Ocean's Eleven fan, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's that to me was the the tipping point. Yeah, casinos are not generally in the business of letting somebody win a half million dollars at a, a low stakes roulette. Table. Yeah, I totally bought that. It would just seem like logistically un, like infeasible. Like I was just like, yeah, this is they're not gonna okay, do this. Okay, guys, we get it. You got it right. You know, Let's I just want to talk more about how I got it right, Sam. I think you also got it right, and I just <laughs> want to relish in that for just a minute there. Yep. All right, guys, let's move on to story number three. This one is called The Phrenologist's Head. This one is about the uh, tumor that was in the woman, and then the phrenologist, or no, no, he wasn't a phrenologist. The neuroscientist mm-hmm. looked at a head and was like, <laughs> hey, wait a second, and then the paperwork was mixed up. Yep. As a recap, Tiffany, Chris, Sam, and myself, we think oh. this actually happened. Mark, you're on your own here. Oh, boy. It's anyone's <laughs> game. We got one fact. We got one fiction so far. Sure. So, you know, here we go. Let's find out what the truth is. Was this story based on a real happening? Yes. It happened in the state of Florida in the 90s. <laughs> Anything could happen in it's Florida. It's always Florida. It's always Florida. Oh, it's boy. because Robert Traylon's probably from Florida. <laughs> they didn't yeah. mention that the smudge on the head was actually a boa constrictor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, so, you know, he had bitten it, you know. Um, yeah, fact. Yeah, fact well, that is head. not surprising that that is a fact because we all saw through that. The mm-hmm. factual part is, hey, guess what? A doctor in Florida <laughs> yes. was about to unnecessarily operate on a woman because of a clerical error. Yes. That, I believe that. That is the most true statement that's maybe yes. ever been uttered <laughs> on Beyond Belief. And he, he fixed the problem because of a smudge. Because of a smudge. <laughs> and lots of air quotes around doctor. Yeah, yeah, we air quoted doctor quite a bit. Yeah. Alright, let's go ahead on to story number four. This one is called The Bridge. This is the one about the woman who found out she was adopted and took it quite well. Handled yeah. it with, with a plum. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, after <laughs> after so many years of believing this lie. Um, now, as a recap, Mark, Tiffany, Sam, Chris, you guys think this actually happened? I am the sole fiction on this one. Oh, Hopefully boy. I don't suffer the same fate yeah. as Mark. <laughs> Good luck. God. Let's find out what the truth is. Was this story inspired by an actual event? Yes. It was inspired by an incident that took place in Texas in the late 60s. Ha-ha! Oh, okay. Texas. Some right. credibility. At least it's not Florida. How does that feel? <laughs> Doesn't feel great. Doesn't feel great. <laughs> I got one, baby. He took out his $10 from his shoe, and now he's riding high. I'll need that back. Let's go ahead on Wait, to Wait, I just have to say, oh, yeah. I, have to quote, I just have to quote Jonathan Frakes. Oh, it sure. was inspired by oh, yes. a tale from Texas in the late 60s. The, uh, this is a weird thing I'm about to reference. You guys remember the movie Hackers, right? No, of course. From, mm-hmm. uh, from the mid-90s? So they, they released a soundtrack. Then they released a second soundtrack called <laughs> Music Inspired by... The film Hackers. <laughs> what and does that even on that mean? soundtrack, none of the songs on that soundtrack appeared in the film <laughs> Hackers. Huh. And that was where I went, wait a minute, you can literally say anything is inspired by oh. something else. Yeah. We could say Back to the Future, the film inspired by Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. You could say that. You could say it's inspired uh, by time travel. Sam, ah. time travel. Sam, I'm inspired by you. Thank you. There oh, you go. Thank you so much. Well, there you within go. the so, context of what you were saying, well, I don't know if that's a compliment. This is a podcast like inspired by Sam Levine. Yeah. Oh. That's right, it is. Yeah. Back to the future. There you go. And now, because you've been inspired by Sam, you can tell any story about him and it will be a fact. Mm-hmm. 100%. All of my clock stopper stories are going to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on to the fifth and final story. The cigar box. This is the one about that vibrating box with the old man who was, I'm the old man, Campbell Lane. And uh, he died and wanted a purple heart. As a recap, Mark, you think this is fact. So do I. Oh, thank God. And we're the only (laughs) ones. And Tiffany, Chris, and Sam believe it is fiction. Let's find out what the truth is. Is this strange story based on fact? Yes. Similar event took place in Ohio in the early 80s. (laughs) Fact. Complicated rule (laughs) prevails again. (laughs) It really spans, you know, across country here. So I guess Ohio is known for uh, dildos and cigar boxes. (laughs) Absolutely. And shitty coroners. (laughs) That's right. Sounds about right. The medical examiner took one look at this guy and said, no, he's been dead for three, four days or four hours. Whatever. It's hot. I got to get a coffee. (laughs) Stay stay out of Dayton. (laughs) All right. Let's go ahead and do these statistics. Did anyone only get one correct this week? Okay. Pretty good. Did anyone only get two correct this week? Oh yeah. 
I mean, it's my standard. Was that me? I think I might have gotten two right. No, really? Well, I got three? You got three. Oh, all right. I got two. Oh. Oh. Okay, so, so the three, three of Jesse? us got two. No, nah, I didn't get two. Really? Oh. I got three as well. So you guys wow. tied well, hey, for the win. Oh, good I job. Did. Thank you very much. Thank you very so nice. much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it feels good to uh, get higher than my average. I feel like I'm always getting two. I don't know why, but it is. Two is a it's perfectly a respectable score. <laughs> you as I've said multiple times it's on because this It's because it's your average. Listen, yeah. Sam, I have to ask you now that we've finished the show. Yeah. Um, do you love Beyond Belief with all your heart or is it your favorite show of all time? Uh, my answer is inspired by an answer <laughs> that I, I heard on an old episode of You Bet Your Life. Uh, it's I my favorite that. show of all time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> love it. As I, I don't want to be uh, out of order here. Do we know how the coin? Of- <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. Did. Tiffany. Um, yeah. So, guys, the coin got a, a nice four out of oh, five. Of course it did. Yeah. Of course it did. So, of course it did. So, why, yeah. all, why do all this work? <laughs> we can just right. flip a coin Random and do better. Chance did better than us trying to predict what's fact and what's fiction on this TV show. Beat us all. Well, we flipped the coin and 26 times it got them all correct. I think that's what happened. Oh, yeah. oh. So oh right. Pretty well. That's right. Well, about well. See, I'm yeah. referencing the uh, story with the guy. Yeah, so I got oh, I got that's okay. what's known yeah. as a call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do comedy on this show, guys. I don't know if you. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of comedy, Sam, where can people find you? Well, uh, for the most up to date information, you can find me on the Twitters and the Instagrams. I'm at Sam. Levine. That's S-A-M-M-L-E-V-I-N-E. Great. What is this trivia thing that you do online? I watched a few episodes oh, of this. Oh, the, the movie trivia schmodown. I is, like this because uh, I'm like, you know, you came to a game night that we hosted. Yeah. I, we're big in the games and you did well at the trivia and then we, Chris and I took a sidebar and we're like, we're going to stop playing the trivia games. He keeps winning. Oh. So, um, <laughs> You know, that's how that happened. Fair but, enough. But yeah, what is, what, tell us about this. Uh, well, the Movie Trivia Schmodown is, uh, it's on uh, Collider, which is a, a big content provider online. And it's, um, it's a weird uh, mix of, uh, like WWE style uh, competitors. But instead of actually wrestling after all the trash talking, uh, we just play movie trivia. And uh, and it's run by two great guys, uh, uh, Christian Harloff, Mark Ellis. Uh, I've actually retired from the Schmodown. Um, oh, as a as, as a champion, as, as a competitor. As, as look, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to toot my own horn. He looked down, shook his head modestly. And, uh, <laughs> I, I I was a I was a uh, I've been described as a five time champion. I held multiple belts in, <laughs> in two different leagues, and uh, I may be the most decorated player of all time. But that's not important. Uh, what's important no. is that you got three out of five. On <laughs> that's exactly. what I'm going to take home yeah. from this. Yeah. Yeah. You might be a champion um, there, but you are just average here, as we all yeah. are. Or uh, a little at below, best, at best, for some. Uh, Sam, thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. My absolute pleasure. This was a, a real treat. You guys are delightful, uh, you know. And your naivete is just <laughs> charming. It's, it's charm. It's, oh, it's charming and disarming. Oh, <laughs> thanks. I that's really appreciate that. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you again, Sam, and thanks for everyone listening this week. And until next week. It'll be our finale of the series. We're really upset about it. We wish Beyond Belief just made 10 seasons, but guys, they just didn't. They only made four. You guys are aware about Ripley's Believe It or Not, right? (laughs) 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 This is Beyond Beyond Belief. Beyond Beyond Belief is produced by Five Friends Living in Los Angeles. Our theme song was written for this podcast by David Russo, who composed music for the original series. Our introduction is voiced by Mark Winston. If you liked our podcast, subscribing and rating us on iTunes is one of the best ways you can help more people discover our show. All audio clips are strictly for educational commentary and are copyright their original creators. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Beyond Belief Pod, or check out our website, beyondbeyondbelief.com, to find the show notes as well as our online merchandise store featuring custom artwork on t-shirts coffee mugs and more thanks for listening
Uh, episode course. 44, story, <laughs> story number four. It's not like they have to present these in a court of law. No. They can <laughs> literally call any of these facts and any of them fiction, and they are not legally liable. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. It's we're going so to have the writers on the show eventually, and they're going to be like, well, we made all this shit up, guys. Are you, yeah. None of it's facts. I know we're going to have all these we, questions of like, why did you do this yeah. or that? And they're like, we mm-hmm. had to give the fans a fucking reason yeah. to hang around yeah. till the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> 